Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Olivia Mitchell about building confidence at work. Olivia is a professional speaker and trainer who's helped thousands of people from a wide variety of professions develop the courage to speak up, even when they're afraid, and become more confident, effective, and engaging speakers, whether around a conference table, during a networking event, or at the podium. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Olivia. Thank you so much, Shelley. I am also thrilled to be here and to be talking with you on this topic, which I think is so important for people. Thank you so much for being here. And 100%, this topic is super important for everyone, not just professionals, not just lawyers, but everyone. So uh, really, really looking forward to our discussion. And I understand that you started your career as a shy and introverted lawyer who hated speaking up in meetings, which I find so hard to believe, um, seeing where you are now. So Perhaps you can just walk us through how you got from there to to now. Yes, I started off where I would be sitting around a boardroom table and it might be my cases being discussed, but I couldn't even speak up and make comment on my own cases. And so there would be other people, my colleagues, who would discuss my cases while I was mute. And then after the meeting, I would beat myself up for not speaking up and also realizing that it was my colleagues who were getting the credit. It was my colleagues who were being acknowledged for their ideas and opinions, and I was not being recognized. So I realized that it was something that I needed to work on, that I couldn't just stay the way I was if I wanted to progress in my career. And and I was ambitious and I wanted to make progress. So the first thing that I did, which made a big difference in my life for two reasons, is that I joined Toastmasters. Hmm. And Toastmasters, as some of your listeners may know, is a public speaking organization where you meet maybe once a week or every two weeks And you can practice public speaking in front of a really warm, encouraging and supportive group of people who are also all working on their public speaking and their confidence. And Toastmasters made a big difference to me for two reasons. One is that just the act of speaking every couple of weeks in front of a group slowly built my confidence. And the second was, is that it's where I met my husband. (laughs) Why is that the second? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I could put it first, but I'd say they're pretty equal. (laughs) Now, my husband, he is your quintessential extrovert. Hmm. And it was my husband who started a public speaking business, a public speaking training business, helping people become confident. And to begin with, I wasn't involved in the business at all. And then when the business was making enough money for me to quit my job, then I started helping behind the scenes in the business. And then one day I decided, oh, I'll go along to one of the training courses and I'll sit at the back of the room just so that I can help out. (laughs) 
And after a few times of doing that, I realized, hey, it's not that hard what he's doing. Maybe I could do this. And very slowly, bit by bit, I got more involved in being at the front of the room. I mean, it started with tiny things with uh, Tony, that's the name of my husband, saying, oh, Olivia, you've got a view on this. Would you like to tell the group about mm. this issue? And so just little bit by little bit, I got more used to being in front of the room until I was running training courses by myself. Wow. So the, the message from my journey is that it's been a really gradual, gentle process over decades hmm. to get me to where I am now. And what would you tell, uh, you know, the young, shy Olivia lawyer today if you had the knowledge, you know, back then? Yes. I'd say two things. First of all, that it is really important to speak up and to be visible in the workplace. This is a critical thing for you to be seen as a leader and to be seen as competent. And as lawyers, and particularly as, as baby lawyers, we can be really concerned about making mistakes, about being accurate. You know, we've been trained to be really accurate in the way we speak, to cite our cases correctly, and just to get it right. And so we have this message in our heads. We have this voice in our heads saying, you must get it right. You must get it right. You must not make any mistakes. And so often that voice shuts us down and shuts us up. Hmm. But research has shown that people who speak up, even if they make mistakes, are seen as more competent and are seen as leaders. Mm -hmm. And this research was done using a math problem. So they had, they put groups of students into groups and they had to discuss a math problem and they monitored how much people spoke up. And they also monitored whether they were speaking up in an accurate way, whether they were giving accurate suggestions which would help solve the maths problem. And what they found is that the people who spoke up, even if they made really silly suggestions which wouldn't help solve the maths problem at all, they were still seen as leaders within the group. Hmm. So it's not just about getting it right. It's about yeah. speaking up, even if there are little inaccuracies in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And that should trump your fear of making mistakes. So that's the number one is how visibility is important in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And then my the second message I would give to myself 30 years ago <laughs> is that you don't need to do this in one big leap. I mean, particularly when it comes to public speaking, it can seem this huge leap to go from just sitting in my office saying nothing to being in front of a group addressing 30 people. That's it just seems a big leap. So break that down into little tiny actions that you can be taking on a day-to-day -day basis to build your confidence. So for instance, give yourself the challenge of 
at the next meeting, I will ask a question or at the next meeting, I will add on to what one of my colleagues has said mm-hmm. and just give yourself those tiny challenges and slowly build your confidence. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you would recommend for someone who really feels very uncomfortable speaking up in meetings? I mean, it's one thing, public speaking, um, you know, giving a presentation in front of a group of 30 people. But what about the smaller um, situations where you're around you know, conference table or in the boardroom and you're sitting there thinking, oh, no, please, 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 like, don't ask me a question. Um, you know, this does the same sort of philosophy apply? absolutely the same principles apply so i'd break it down into the tiniest actions so if you're really concerned about speaking up in a meeting or being asked a question in a meeting the first tiny actions you can take is stop hiding in the meeting so many of us do this and there are a couple of ways of hiding one is to always be taking notes Mm. and so you have your head down and you've you've got your pen on your notepad or or on your iPad, and you look like you're busy and you look like you're doing something, but really you're hiding away. The second thing sometimes that we do is we sit in a corner of the room where we're not visible. Hmm. And both of those things make us feel safe. Mm -hmm. And it's like it puts a little cocoon, a little bubble of protection around you. So the first steps are simply going to be being to break out of that bubble. So uh, an act of courage that you can take is to put down that pen and paper and simply be more engaged in the discussion in the way that you look, you know, so look at the person that is speaking, nod as they finish their input. Mm-hmm. So you're looking as if you are much more part of the meeting. And I get that if you are really shy and nervous about being in a meeting, even that will be a tiny act of courage. It will cause you some discomfort. Mm-hmm. So that's a little step you can take. The other step is if you're used to hiding out in the corner is get to the meeting early and place yourself in a far more visible part of the room. Once again, this will be uncomfortable, but it's just a little step on the way to speaking up in the meeting. Mm -hmm. And then once you've done those two things, the next step might be to decide, okay, at the next meeting, I'm going to speak up. And one of the things you can do is prepare yourself for this. Uh, Particularly if you're an introvert, if you identify as an introvert and believe that uh, you have that tendency, we, those of us who are introvert, we tend to take longer to form our sentences. And so a really useful strategy can be to prepare ahead of time. So your next step might be to get the agenda for the meeting and look down at the agenda items and decide, okay, here is an item that I can speak on. And think ahead of time of what you would like to contribute to that agenda item. And even write a few notes for yourself so that you've had that time to think about what you want to say. Mm-hmm. As introverts, we can find that so useful to have that ready. Absolutely. Such a great suggestion. Yeah. And many lawyers are introverts. Um, yes. Which, yeah, which I'm sure you you know very well. It just it always astounded me. I thought that I was alone. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I love the idea of uh, of the preparation and getting the agenda. And is there sort of an element of accountability? Would you suggest that um, you know? Uh, I say, for example, I choose an item on the agenda and I tell somebody that I want to speak about it? Absolutely, you could do that. And so there are a couple of ways you can do this. You could ask a, a colleague who is friendly and who you trust. And you could just you could just let them know that you're planning to speak on it. And just that knowledge that somebody else knows that you're planning it may be enough to push you across the threshold. Mm -hmm. Or you could even ask them to say, I believe that Chile has got something to contribute on this item. So mm. you can even ask them to put you on the spot. Yeah, but not real. I mean, you are on the spot, but not really on the spot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. it just gives you that. that little push. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Something Excellent. else that I found useful comes from the author and speaker Mel Robbins. And Mel Robbins talks about the five-second rule. And the five-second rule is that when there is something that you want to do that is in alignment with your values, count down five, four, three, two, one, and then do it. <laughs> because so often we tell ourselves, oh, yes, I want to do this. And then our brain starts up and just tries to think of all sorts of ways to stop you. Mm -hmm. And we get into an overthinking paralysis. So the five oh. second rule is a way of just, as soon as you have the thought, just take the action. Just yeah. do it. I just, I love that. Yeah, just just do it. Just do yeah. it. And I, I know I've heard um, uh, Mel Robbins' five second rule in the context of, getting up out of bed in the morning, you know, don't hit the snooze yes. button. <laughs> Just as soon as the alarm goes up, five, four, three, two, one, up out of bed. Um, yeah. And I have to say, I've tried that. And yeah, lo and behold, stood up. <laughs> there was just no more snooze button. Yeah. Yes. Because what, and what happens with speaking in particular, when we want to speak up is obviously there, there is a risk when we speak up. There's a risk you might make a mistake. There's a risk that you might say the wrong thing. There's a reason why we find it frightening. So it's not at all a weird and strange thing to find it frightening. Many, many people do. And we have voices in our heads. That's what I call just the thoughts that we have, which are well-intentioned, those voices on our head. They want to protect us. They want to keep us safe. And so that's why they start up. When we have this idea of, oh, I want to speak up, the voices in your head will go, oh, oh, be careful, be careful. You might say the wrong thing. You might get it wrong. You might make a fool of yourself. They're just mm -hmm. trying to protect you. But unfortunately, by keeping you safe, they're also keeping you small. Mm -hmm. And so we need to work around those voices mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that we can get to speak up and so that people can see that you are confident, you are competent, and you do have useful things to contribute. Right, right. And once, you know, I've decided that I am going to 
contribute something and um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the agenda items and I pick an item. Is there any sort of advice you would provide and how I might go about preparing my preparation? You know, is, is it useful to prepare an outline? Like I know sometimes we can get really caught up in all of that and get lost in the forest for the trees. So I'm, I'm wondering if you have any advice there. Yes, I think it's really useful to have an outline and a very simple outline, which works well when you want to speak up in a meeting, goes by the acronym PREP. That's useful. So PREP, <laughs> yes, PREP stands for point, reason, example, point. Okay. Point, reason, example, point. So you start by making your point. Then you give the reason why you're saying that. Then you give an example and then you wrap it up again by making the point again. Excellent. Yeah. And and it's amazing I'm... how competent that makes you sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and now you also... can expand on that outline as well. So you can give your point and then you can say, and there are three reasons for this. And then you walk through. The first reason is da-da-da-da-da. The second reason is da-da-da-da. And the third is da. And that's why I am saying that da, 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 da. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. And for lawyers, I mean, that just that that whole uh, structure makes such good sense. And providing the sort of concrete example grounds it as well. Um, yeah, terrific. I'm thinking about other situations where... Uh, lawyers who I've spoken with and, and myself included have had a lot of difficulty speaking up. And that's, you know, in networking situations where we're required to, you know, go around and meet a whole bunch of people in a short period of time and engage in small talk. Just wondering if you have any sort of ideas to help, uh, to help us there. Yes, indeed. So I see small talk as a necessary evil, if you like. <laughs> I mean, so many of us don't like it. It's really normal to dread it. And I know the thing that used to really get in my way is the idea that I had to be original. Hmm. I had to say something really interesting and memorable. And that used to just have me go around in circles in my head thinking of what what will I say next and every suggestion my brain would come up with I would dismiss and say oh no that's not interesting enough or that's so cliched mm -hmm. and once I let go of the need to be original and interesting and just said what came into my mind then I could do it so it's fine to ask people what do you do or what have you found most interesting about the speaker? You know, there are some very straightforward questions that you can ask. And in, in fact, let's go back a, a mark. The, the way that I have found most useful to get into conversations with people is simply by asking questions hmm. and then listening to the answer and asking another question after that. Right. Yeah. And that I found incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. And what I, particularly in the early days, what I used to do to get myself used to networking 
is I would look for the person in the room who looked more nervous and uncomfortable than me. <laughs> and I would just go up to them and start talking to them. And there's always somebody who's also looking nervous and uncomfortable. And so I just start talking to them, start ask, asking questions, and it would lead into a very natural conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's usually it's the first, you know, it's that first person that you speak with. Uh, it's always the hardest to, you know, make that first connection. And then once you've had that under your belt, you can move on to the next and the next. And, and as you were mentioning, just sort of small acts as well, as opposed to just the big, for example, going up to the person who you believe, um, you know, could really help advance your career, for example, or, you know, somebody that there's, you've got sort of more on the line speaking with. Yes, I'd, I'd also say you never know when the right person is going to be the person who helps you along in your career. You know, there may be the obvious person who you think, oh, that would be really useful to form a relationship with them. But you never know who the person who seems to be standing shyly by the drinks table you never know who they are and what connections they might have. Right. So right. I would not at all dismiss the people who don't look as if they've got something to offer you. Mm -hmm. And and obviously it's great to practice with people who don't appear too intimidating. <laughs> That's how we get good at it. Yeah, yeah. Which takes me back to the idea of Toastmasters and public speaking and sort of the, the idea of sort of continue, like doing something, um, you know, more often, the more often you do it, the more comfortable you will become. What I think you were saying at the beginning of our discussion, when we were talking a little bit about public speaking, is that not necessarily just you know jumping in and trying to do more and more presentations um but maybe i misunderstood that um perhaps we can go back there and and talk a little bit about you know your your thoughts about how to become you know a more comfortable public speaker yes so the first thing that i would say is many of us have the illusion that what we need is confidence because we see everybody else out there or those people who are out there as public speakers. And when we look at them up on the stage, we go, whoa, they are so confident. <laughs> that most of the time is an illusion. Most of us, even the people that we see as confident public speakers have some kind of nervousness going on. And I know this because I've been a public speaking coach to people who look really confident. <laughs> and I know because of the relationship that I have with them as their coach, that they are not feeling confident, but they look great up on the stage. <laughs> and I have experienced this many times with my clients. I've experienced it on group courses where I video people and when they first look back at their video they are amazed because they can see that they look a lot more confident than they feel hmm. 
And one of the reasons for this is that our nerves are something that we feel intensely. For instance, when you're feeling nervous, uh, you may feel yourself getting hot, you, your stomach may be turning somersaults, uh, you may be feeling shaky. But all of those things, you are feeling intensely, but the audience is not actually seeing. Mm-hmm. So this is a really useful thing to keep in mind that even though you are really nervous, it may not be apparent to the audience. And when you see other people who look confident, it may they may also be feeling nervous. So that's the number one point is that confidence is an illusion. Mm-hmm. And you may have the idea that you have to wait for confidence before you can get up in front of a group and make a speech. But mm-hmm. actually what is required from you is courage it is courage that is what you need the first time you get in front of a group and i define courage as the willingness to experience uncomfortable emotions Hmm. and so if you are prepared to know yep this is going to feel uncomfortable but it is something that i can do Mm -hmm. and to begin with Keep the stakes really low. Don't decide, oh, I'm going to speak at the conference next year. No, no, no. (laughs) That is too much. That's like raising the bar to six feet and you're going to jump over this six feet bar. No, just keep it really low. You know, it might be I'm going to speak to a group of three people at a small meeting next week or in two weeks time, keep it really low to begin with and just very gradually build your confidence and Mm -hmm. confidence. I define as knowing that you can do something. It's the Mm -hmm. belief that you can do something. And just by taking it little step by little step, you will build that belief that you have the ability to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so well said. And I, yeah, it makes such good sense. Uh, And I think that a lot of us were sort of under the impression that the the only way to improve our presentation skills is to just, you know, throw ourselves into the fire. And so we would put ourselves into these situations that probably increased that, uh, that sense that we lack confidence and was not very good for our self-esteem. So I just love that. This sort of almost like a desensitization <laughs> exercise. Uh, start small and, you know, build up to bigger and bigger acts that, uh, you know, you're capable of doing. And that enhances your your courage and your confidence. Um, yeah, yeah, I love that. I'm just thinking we mentioned about sort of the 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 fear and all the feelings that we have and how we think that everybody can see it. What about when there are physical manifestations like shaking hands? And I mean, I know my, one of my legs used to shake. um, And so I would try to stand behind a podium. So it wasn't all that visible uh, and not wear pants because that was really obvious. But any, any suggestions on how to deal with that? Absolutely. So there are two 
actually, no, there are three issues that are problematic in terms of our nervousness uh, being obvious. So the first one is, as you mentioned, is the shaking. Now, the one of the ways to overcome that is to make big movements. So the shaking is just tiny little movements. Instead, make big movements. So it could be actually walk purposefully on the stage. So I don't mean pacing backwards and forwards, but walk to different points on the stage as you're making a point. Use large gestures. That does two things. One is that the large gesture covers up the tiny gesture of the shaking. Mm -hmm. And the second way that it helps is it actually helps dissipate the adrenaline that is in your body. Because the reason why you're shaking is because your nervous system has released the hormones, adrenaline and cortisol into your body, which normally are part of the fight or flight response to get you to be able to run away or to get into a fight. Hmm. Less useful when you're wanting to stand there poised and confident <laughs> in front of an audience. But because the adrenaline and cortisol are there to get your muscles activated by moving, by making large gestures or moving in a purposeful way on the stage, you are starting to use up that adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. So those are my two um, suggestions for dealing with shakiness in your hands your and your legs. Mm -hmm. Now, the two other symptoms that are trickier is the shaky, the shaky voice. And right. this is, again, is adrenaline, which is affecting your vocal cords. And with this issue, and with the, the second issue that I'm about to mention, which is blushing. So people who blush or go red have also a real issue with that, and it's a tricky one to get over. The way to get over these two things is to tell yourself that you can handle your voice shaking or your blushing. Now, what I mean by this and why I'm suggesting you have to tell yourself that you can handle it is that so often with the voice shaking or with the blushing, we tell ourselves internally in our heads, we tell ourselves, it would be awful if I were to go red. It would be awful if my voice were to shake. Mm -hmm. And we catastrophize about this happening. Right. And that gets us into a vicious cycle because the more we catastrophize about going red or our voice shaking, the worse it gets. Right. <laughs> and, and I know people who have been really distraught about these issues. And when I worked with them over time and helped them rethink the way that they thought about their voice shaking or blushing and had them go, this is something that I can handle. And working on it, first of all, say in a meeting with their boss where it would happen and just telling themselves, yeah, it is likely that my voice is going to shake in this situation because I'm intimidated by this person but I can handle it. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's unpleasant and it's going to be uncomfortable, but I can handle it. Hmm. And over time, practicing that way of thinking 
it actually releases the pressure on you. It releases the demands you're putting on yourself to not have your voice shake, to not blush, and it actually starts to disappear. Wow. So this is not a quick fix. Right. But it's the only fix I know to these really difficult problems. Uh-huh. Simply saying, I can, I can handle this. Um, yeah. And sounds like just sort of having the expectation that it's going to happen. It's going to happen because I think a lot of the times, you know, certainly for me, I keep thinking, okay, you know, maybe it won't happen if I do, you know, all of these different things, try all these strategies. And then of course it happens. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, goes into this downward spiral. So yeah, I, I, I really, really like that. And yeah. you found that it has been successful eh, with some of your clients? Oh, absolutely. Yes. With, with, wow. Without a doubt. Yeah. Wonderful. This is something that you can solve. So there is hope you can solve this. Very reassuring. Very reassuring. Uh, there's just one um, last topic I wanted to touch on, and it relates to meetings. We've talked about being participant in a meeting, but what if you are the leader of a meeting? Uh, and you have a lot of those same issues that come up that sort of are holding you back from really embracing that role do the same principles apply there and if so how what are some of the sort of small acts of courage as you described could we do to help us um in that situation yes the first thing is i think it's this is a really useful skill to practice leading a meeting when you have that ability to facilitate a meeting you can be seen as so useful. So it's it's an excellent way to raise your visibility. So once again, one of my principles is start tiny. So start practicing facilitating a meeting with maybe just two people, two other people, so that you can just start practicing the skills. And I like the term of calling it facilitation. Facilitation really means make it easy. And it's about making it easy for other people to talk. Mm-hmm. So if you see your role as facilitation, which is providing some structure around the meeting. And keep so keeping the moving, keeping the meeting moving and keeping the meeting to time and ensuring that everybody has who wants to talk gets their opportunity to contribute, then you are doing a really great job. So that is what is required of you. And you can practice this both by starting tiny and then also by doing a lot of preparation beforehand. So really being clear on the agenda and talking to each of the people who's going to be taking a part in the meeting beforehand. Hmm. And just by doing all of that prep work, you can really set up the meeting to go really smoothly. Mm-hmm. And I think those of us who are introvert, we tend to be more organized <laughs> as well. And we tend to take our prep more seriously. So it's a role that as introverts, we can really shine in. Yeah. So it's a fantastic way to showcase your ability. 
Yeah. And also it takes the focus off of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Such wonderful suggestions, Olivia. Oh my goodness. A wealth of information here. I'm just wondering if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you think would be useful to pass on to listeners. Yes. There's another thing that you can do to practice speaking, which I call undercover speaking, (laughs) which is where you are practicing public speaking, but no one else knows. So, for example, you are out with a group of friends and not that this is happening very much at the moment around the world, but (laughs) let's um, fast forward a, a little bit in time. You're out with a group of friends and there's a discussion about what movie to go and see or what restaurant to go to. Make your suggestion of what movie to see or the restaurant to go to and then back it up with why you like it Mm. or why you want to go and see it. That is a little mini speech in itself. Yeah. Or round the dinner table with your family. Open up discussions and practice facilitating that discussion. Practice putting forward your point of view. All of that is practice at speaking. Mm-hmm. So if you see it as not just the formal situations, which we call public speaking, but all situations where you're speaking to more than one person is actually practice at speaking. Wow. Yeah. So and then it take be- those opportunities up. Yeah. And then it becomes more natural for you. It doesn't seem like a really, you know, a big leap when you are in sort of the more formal uh, speaking settings. Yeah, exactly. Super, super. Wow. So helpful, Olivia. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your advice. Uh, I just wonder, I know you have had, you know, so many stages of your career, and you don't sound like the type of person to sit still and, and do the same thing for long. So what have you got on the horizon? So I am building a new brand, if you like, which I call Tiny Acts of Courage, and which I've mentioned a couple of times as we've been talking. And so I am doing this because I want to see, I want people to see that even if you feel shy and timid and feel that you're not really engaging in life, actually there is a way to get more involved in your life and more active And that is by taking tiny acts of courage. And for people to find out more about this, they can go to my website, tinyactsofcourage.com. And there's a quiz on that website that you can take to find out what is your courage profile? Where are the areas in your life that you are currently courageous? And where would it be really helpful for you to build more courage? So that's the place to go for what I'm working on there. And I'm writing a book on that topic right now. And if people want to find out more on the public speaking side of things, they can go to my website, speakingaboutpresenting.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you offer individual coaching. Do you also have um, any group programs or are there any uh, anything courses online, anything that we could follow? Yes, indeed. So there are two things. Uh, We have an online program called Nail That Presentation, 
which is to help people plan and organize a presentation. So that's a video-based online program that you can do in your own time, so a self-paced online program. Hmm. And then in April of this year, I'll be launching my Tiny Acts of Courage program, which will be taking people through the Tiny Acts of Courage process to build their courage and confidence and get more engaged in their life and to be able to do the things that they really want to be able to do to live a meaningful life. Fantastic. Just wonderful speaking with you, Olivia. Thank you again for sharing all of your tips and uh, and your words of wisdom. This has been super helpful. Oh, thank you, Shelley. And it's been a pleasure. And I, I can remember back to those times when I was frightened of speaking up. And I can only say, if you as a listener are in that position right now, there is hope. This is not something that you are stuck with. You can gradually and gently get out of your comfort zone and you can learn to speak up. This is something that you can learn to do. So you are not stuck where you are now. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.